Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month on Compliance Life, I visit with Natalia Shaheda. Natalia is currently the Chief Compliance Officer at ABB Lummis. For the next four podcast episodes, we'll take a look at Natalia, her unique background, college and law school. She comes from a multicultural, multilingual family from birth and in marriage, and is always doing something professionally that allows her to see the world and carry her journey forward. She moves to her early professional career and into the corporate world and what prepared her. She began her career on Capitol Hill in Washington and later moved to private practice and then to to the corporate world and see how that informed her views around compliance. In episode three, she moved to the CCO chair at some very high-profile companies that were under significant government scrutiny and talks about the unique experiences, joining corporate families, and how the beauty of travel and connection across the globe has helped inform her global view of what a compliance program not only should be what a compliance program can be. In episode four, we take a look at some of the key lessons learned uh, that she has had, where the CCO chair may be headed into 2025 and beyond, and what culture really means in an organization. This is a fascinating series on The Compliance Life. Natalia is a great friend and a great friend of the compliance profession. I know you'll enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening to this month's The Compliance Life. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode of The Compliance Life. We are continuing our uh, exploration with Natalia Shadia. Uh, First of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. And uh, today um, we are going to take a look at her moving into what I will describe as an extremely challenging role at a company who was going through multiple investigations at the time and uh, her moving into the CCO role. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, what she stepped into and, and really how you guys were able to work through some really tough issues and come out, I thought, as well as you could and, and what that experience was like for you? 
Sure. So it, it definitely was sort of phase two of the proverbial frying pan. Phase one being the extraordinary stewardship by Adrian Mabane and, and Billy Jacobson of getting Weatherford to a conclusion of its you know, multifaceted enforcement case, a case that implicated the FCPA, export controls, and economic sanctions, um, just in time to sort of pass me the baton to then manage the post-settlement period. And we had a monitorship um, overseen by DOJ and SEC on the FCPA side of the case. And it was one of the first enforcement resolutions um, that had a trade compliance post-settlement consequence. And that was a two-year auditorship um, of the trade compliance program. So the monitorship was looking at real-time internal controls of the organization in operation, and the trade compliance audit at the same time was looking backward, um, auditing trade compliance, because the company had worked really hard in the five years prior while the case was being defended and adjudicated in building you know, robust internal controls. And so, wow, you know, so much to say. I would say huge lessons in relationship management, stakeholder management. You know, you're you're needing to run a function at an executive level for a complex organization going through all kinds of turmoil. You remember 2014 was was an extraordinary commencement of an oil and gas crisis at that time, the likes of which we had never seen. Um, and it posed real existential threat to the organization to wanting to make sure that the not only the monitorship and the auditorship were successes, timely adjudicated and closed, because those can be needle moving events for a public company, but also to get value for the organization. These are events of extraordinary cost, and you want to bring as much value to the organization in, with the process, with as little disruption as possible. And so it takes a village. And it was an extraordinary village of teammates at Weatherford across all functions and across the leadership to really manage that process, I'd like to say, um, to a successful and, and timely conclusion with lots of learnings um, and enhancement of the control environment over time. Could you tell us about two or three of the uh compliance program initiatives you work with and, and worked on on this phase and what it was like literally I, I think you heard I think I heard you describe it as a green space and what it was like to build uh, one or two components obviously in the middle of an enforcement action uh, and uh, how that helped inform you go going forward Sure. So, you know, the green space really started to get built upon under Billy Jacobson's leadership as Weatherford's first chief compliance officer in 2009. So by the time the monitorship comes, there's a five-year evolution of controls. I think what the monitorship and auditorship highlighted, if I may say, is we, I think, pride ourselves as members of the legal community in, in in adeptness at telling our clients what to do. You know, this is what your control should look like. Um, please take all of our guidance, come to our trainings and just do what we say. Um, you know, a company under monitorship, there is a level of scrutiny, not just of what we might call the business. There is no more arm's length distance between the function and the business. A monitor and an auditor looks at the organization holistically as one. And I think a key lesson for us in the Weatherford team at the time was recognizing the criticality for crispness and consistency in the way in which the compliance function itself operated with the same precision 
that we as the function expected of the business, if you know what I mean. Um, And that provided just a lot of learning to say, oh, you know, the criticality of minding our own homework. How consistently were we executing advice and counsel as a function? How consistently were we um, navigating um, and adjudicating allegations and so forth for the organization. So it really taught me about the value of self-introspection in running a function to make sure I'm just not going around telling people, you know, what and how to do it, but I'm minding my own advice um, to make sure that we're putting out the best possible product, the highest quality support with passionate professionals in whom we are invested and hopefully having, you know, a long and a diverse, inclusive career in the organization. It was a rich experience for sure. You mentioned uh, two words I want to follow up on, advice and counsel. Uh, We don't talk, I think, enough about that role of a compliance officer. Could you say a few words about how you were able uh, to deliver advice and counsel, how you won the trust of your clients, the employees of Weatherford, so they would come to ask you for advice and counsel and how that was followed up on? Well, I've always just recognized my individual decision to a vocation as a service provider. And I remind myself that of every opportunity. I have chosen to serve in a position of support. And I think that's key in remembering where we are and where we fit in an organization. We're here by choice to support a business's mission, vision, strategy, and to execute it, minding, managing, and capitalizing on the risks that we like to call ourselves experts in. And so to me, with that service-minded commitment, it means we have to be passionate advocates for what is the business purpose. And we have to be interested in helping our business client, our business, our organizational family navigate the risks that we spend, you know, a professional lifetime worrying about. Um, But not just worry, finding practical ways in which to help complex organizations navigate that risk landscape. Look, that's the privilege. I think that's the call. That's the challenge every day. And I do refer to it as advice and counsel in partnership Um, And I still refer to my organizational families as clients um, because I'll never forget the, you know, the extraordinary privilege to be here in service to them. Um, I worked uh, in an organization that had a monitorship and uh, we had a very robust monitorship. It was challenging in many ways. I was wondering if you could say a few words about what the monitorship experience was like for you at Weatherford. Well, I... I'm an optimist. (laughs) I aim to look at life, finding all things positive. It was a tremendous learning experience. Um, I think in recognizing, look, the monitor's mission is one empowered by the enforcement authority, right? To give them visibility and confidence as to the company's overall commitment to the continuous improvement journey in compliance and integrity. And I think the challenge is, like I said, making sure that we're getting maximum value out of that monitorship. There are natural and healthy tensions in that relationship between what a monitor whom is paid for by the company, but whom the company is not the client, 
the U.S. government is the client or the government that has imposed the monitor is the client, um, is finding the right level of healthy advocacy. What are the things worth fighting over um, is a, a test in, I think, um, you know, negotiation in the most you know, sophisticated way possible. What, what are the things not to sweat? Um, and what are the things in terms of scope and the risks of scope creep, which often come into the conversation and monitorship, are really worth advocating for, uh, not only on behalf of the organization and the costs and the distraction that can be caused by monitorship, but also on behalf of the stakeholders at large to make sure that that bigger picture is getting minded, that the organization does come through and come out of that journey, hopefully better off hopefully better organized, protected with, you know, increasingly novel controls um, and mitigating, you know, mitigating the distraction. I think that's just a key role for chief compliance officers and any team going through that exercise is you've got to be there representing the business day in and day out to make sure that its interests overall are preserved and well served in that process. Natalia, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to thank you and look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode with Scott Sullivan in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.